Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads just like you to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads. It's Meg again, and it's always good to be with you as I am every week. And as you know, each week I have a variety of guests with me, and sometimes it's a seasoned mum or a new mum. Cassidy's been joining us a lot lately with her little boy, Max, and we've been watching his journey. And sometimes I have an expert who comes on with me and I get to pick their brain, and that's what is happening today. I am super, super excited to be welcoming Tina Otti to join us today. She is a childbirth educator, a midwife. She is probably the doyen of childbirth education and pregnancy care in South Africa, where she's the expert editor on the pregnancy on the Your Pregnancy magazine, has been for many years, and also runs very, very busy antenatal classes. So I'm absolutely delighted and I'm in welcoming Tina now and asking her to just give us a little bit more information about her background. Welcome, Tina. Hi. Thank you, Meg. I'm delighted to be having a chat with you this morning. We love chatting, don't we? We do. (laughs) And uh, we're both so passionate about what we do. So yes, absolutely. I'm internationally certified childbirth educator. Um, But my basic education and training was midwifery and general nursing. I'm a mother of two grown daughters and of course, a grandmother of four. So I've really kind of been passing the buck along in terms of preparing for the last 36 years, preparing couples for for parenthood, well, for labor or for birth, however it turns out to be, and um, preparing couples for the experience of early parenting, um, because that's usually when you get the shock of your life. <laughs> when you thought it was the labor was the hard part, you discover it isn't, and there's no epidural for postpartum, unfortunately. And yeah, then I was very fortunate to to watch my my, my daughters go through beautiful births, all uh, all four of them, births that is. And I know that with the right guidance and the right attitude, women can do more than they think because I saw my daughters do it. Yeah, I mean, it's quite incredible. I mean, women have been giving birth for hundreds and thousands of years. That's the only reason why we're all here and have been doing it without medical intervention, without cesarean sections, without pain relief. Of course, birth was one of the more risky periods of women's lives. But having said that, by far the majority of births were still successful and safe. And yet we find ourselves in an era right now where there's almost a fear around childbirth. And I feel like women have lost their confidence in the power that they have to be able to give birth, whether it's naturally or not. But I think there's a lot of fear around childbirth and this lack of confidence. And what do you put that down to? You know, Meg, I've asked myself this question so many times, and I've looked at people in my class and it some take what I say and they use it to the fullest. And, and, and it's just amazing what they remember. And then the others that, that just don't seem to actually get there. So there are a couple of things. First of all, the media. 
Okay, media sits right on, on, on your shoulders. In fact, a lot of things sit on a mother's shoulders when she goes into labor. At least 10 people have given her their opinion, whether it's their best friend, whether it's their mother, whether it's their partner. Then there's the child with the educator. And then, of course, there's the doctor. Then there's her neighbor next door. And, you know, she's got to make, she's got all this noise coming in at her. And if you think about how we deal with pregnancy, we, we, we do handle it as a, a medical situation and and it's it is in a way but not completely you know it's it's not that pregnancy we're always looking for what can go wrong and we always t- talk about our body in terms of oh you've got an incompetent cervix oh there's a failure to progress oh there's a you know what i mean we're going to we, we've got to get, get your labor going because kind of your body isn't doing it good enough so you kind of already got a thing of is my body going to be okay to do this so physically you need to be strong emotionally well, we know what happens in pregnancy in terms of emotions, but you, you need to be, be strong there as well. But I think the most important thing, and you touched on it already, is our attitude, okay, and our belief in ourselves. And mm-hmm. even I'm seeing new mommies today, they're reading Google, they're reading the internet, they are looking for problems, or sorry, solutions to their problems on the internet instead of reading their baby. And and then having resources that are more alive and can converse, and they're trusting. They're, they're not trusting science. They're also, you know, especially in our country, and I, I really have to speak in terms of where I am situated. Many of our doctors have a lot of difficulty. Our obstetricians, a lot of difficulty in in dealing with pregnant women, because you know they are experts in abnormal birth. That is what our obstetric, that's what they are. Whenever, when I was training, if the who hit the fan, well, who did we call? We called the doctor on call. And so he, he was only always really privy to when things go wrong. Okay, mm-hmm. so not a lot of doctors that are around when things go right. So they tend to look at us through a different window, whereas let's, you know, let's, let's, watch you like a hawk because that and that is the belief that is the best thing to do and it's not a it's not a bad thing and it's not wrong but i I think women have handed over too much of of the power to their caregivers sometimes expect too much of them and i think women just we we we've lost that family unit you know Mm -hmm. a lot of us are living very far away from our from our family in different parts of the world so we don't have that kind of support we don't have what we don't see what our grandmothers see and what our our mothers did and there's not a lot of that that's getting passed down at this time Mm-hmm. So that's, that's got a lot to do with it. Yeah, I mean, you've touched on so many things there. I mean, the medicalization of birth. And, you know, it, it is, it's in very, very highly medicalized in South Africa. And um, the UK, as an example, it's much less medicalized. You know, it's, it's very much in the domain of midwives and, and birth is seen as something that's more natural and can progress potentially more naturally. So it does depend where you're living. And that kind of brings me on to the next point, which is something yeah. that's unknown close to your heart. And that is the type of caregiver that you choose. So when you choose a, me- a caregiver who is a medical doctor, potentially who has who is an absolute expert in saving disasters, which is very important, things will be viewed through a medical lens. And when you choose a different caregiver, it might be through a different lens. So could you talk to us about the importance of choosing a caregiver? Because it's it's a choice you make. I mean, to be honest with you, Tina, you make it in the first six weeks of your pregnancy and you haven't really given thought at that point to the birth. You're giving thought to how you're going to care for your body and who's going to help you with a healthy pregnancy. You're not thinking about the birth. So you're making this decision at a stage where you don't necessarily know all the repercussions 
passions of the caregiver that you choose. And yet it's such a massively important choice. Absolutely. So it is it's the most important choice of all. And you're right there because we've done it, you've done it, where you go, well, so who, who am I going to go to? And so most of the time you're getting referrals from from friends, usually. Now and again, as a ch- I will get a call as a childbirth educator from a complete stranger who will say, I've just fallen pregnant and I've heard all about you and I'm really having some difficulty. This is the kind of birth I'm having, but my friend had a Caesar and I've been, she's referred me to this lovely doctor who is a lovely doctor, but you know, I'm really keen to have a vaginal birth, but it's not called a natural birth, a vaginal birth. And could I guide her through it? And then we talk through it. And that is few and far between. And even when we try to do early pregnancy courses where we would discuss something like that, so that if you've already been checked and seen and wonderful and you're with it with a caregiver, and then as you go along, you decide, you know, or you start to discover that you're not on the same page. For example, you might find the mother or couple saying, we're hoping for a natural birth with as little intervention as possible. How do you feel about that? And the doctor said, oh, we'll discuss it later down the line. That would be a red flag for me. Okay, because sometimes later down the line is going to be too late. And you don't want to have, and it's happened, Megs, where I, I've had a couple come in and say, you know, listen, listen, this has happened with our doctor. We're really unhappy. And we're 36 weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good time to change your doctor. And there's not a lot of doctors that are going to take you on at 36 weeks. But I've intervened with doctors that I know well that I could put in a good word. And, and then the doctor would say, okay, you know, Tina, if you feel this way, then then I'll take them on. So I don't know how to actually get around that point other than um, uh, the, the classes that I do, we, we talk about it and then I'll say to them, because if there's anybody who has got some, some concerns about their caregiver, for example, let me give you an example. I had a couple who um, came to me at the last course and I always ask them to give me an, an idea of what they're expecting from the course and what do they want to know? Of course, I know what they want to know, but I want them to know what they want to know. Well, I want them to think about, you know, not coming here clueless. And I want to think about what do you want to know? And um, I looked at this mom and she was hoping for a vaginal birth. She wanted to be prepared. You know, she wanted to do the breathing and the acupressure. And then I looked at who her doctor was. And I was like, this woman's never going to have a vaginal birth because I know this doctor doesn't do vaginal births. He only does seizures. So at the tea time, I said to her, I called her aside and I said, you, you know, we discussed this and I said, I happen to notice who your doctor is. Do you know that he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do vaginal births? And she said, no, no, I started to wonder about that because he, he started to tell me that I've got too little amniotic fluid and, you know, it's, 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 he's, he's preparing me for Caesar. And I said, my sweetheart, if you, if you and I see what you want me to teach you, this isn't going to happen. So, you know, she'll talk about it. Anyway, long story short, we managed, she was at 32 weeks and we had managed to, to facilitate her changing her doctor at that time. Not because the doctor she was with had done anything wrong at all nothing and a very good doctor but I happen to know because I know the doctors in my area and so that was a little bit of a shock but at least she'd done her course early with me so she was she had time to think it through and then to to change her caregiver so choosing that caregiver is you've got to decide first of all what kind of birth you Mm -hmm. want you might be one of those mommies who want to have a caesar 
because you're afraid, you know, and there's a word for it, the fear of childbirth, or, or you had a bad experience in hospital, or for whatever that reason is, then, you know, that's, you need to tell your caregiver that. And you need to tell your caregiver from the very start, I'm hoping for a normal vaginal delivery. You know, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, going to say I don't want epidurals or anything like that. You know, that's my job when I prepare them for the reality of what the trade-offs, that comes a little bit later. But it, it's, it's the first stepping stone, okay, on the road to getting the most you, you can get. And it sounds like you have to manipulate things, and sometimes you do. Getting the most you can get for a good reason and, and without questioning that your caregiver knows what to do or what not to do or what do you know what I'm saying they know Mm -hmm. their job very very well but because of the high litigation we have in our country in all fairness to our doctors they they face a really really hard situation every day okay because if you want to push the envelope and you're asking them to push the envelope with you at what point can he pull rank and say okay I'm no longer prepared to do this for you or with you because I, I believe the risk is not worth the benefit. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, these are kind of the things that you've got mm-hmm. to discuss with your caregiver and you've got to be so open-minded because mm-hmm. things can change in a second. Yeah. But it's not an easy thing to do. And sometimes you really built such a bond with that doctor that it's hard to break away from that mm-hmm. as it was for this mom because she was changing, but he'd done nothing wrong, done mm-hmm. everything right. But they just went on the same page in terms of, of the kind of birth that she was hoping for. Yeah. If you enjoy my podcast, I would like to share one of my favorite podcasts with you, The Honest Hour. Christina Mazurik is mom to two boys and a third little boy on the way. She's an American expat living in Cape Town, South Africa since 2008 and decided to start sharing her experiences in parenting since 2017. Having grown up in a dysfunctional family environment in her own childhood, which led to her adoption at the age of 10, Christina is passionate about finding purpose and presence in parenting, as well as exploring our own opportunity for healing and personal growth as we navigate the world of parenting our own children. Christina believes in ending the trauma cycle and that in parenting our own children, we can learn how to reparent ourselves. So pop on over to Christina's podcast, The Honest Hour. So, I mean, it's really interesting because I think it is important that we we all start out with our, let's call it our ideals. So, so the, the way that we think we want things to work out, whether it is a cesarean section or whether it is a, net, a vaginal delivery or whether it is a, a water birth or whatever it is, a home birth. So we all start off with, with what we want. That's step one. Step two is to try and align your caregiver with the same value system. So you you find somebody who is going to then support you in your choices, whether it is a, a, a water birth at home or whether it is a, a highly medicalized cesarean section with no pain and, and, either, and, and anything in between. But no matter what you do and no matter how you plan, things will always change. And that is one of the things that is an absolute certain. I always say to parents, you've got to expect the unexpected because that's that is going to is going to be what parenting's about, and um, it happens during pregnancy. It certainly happens in birth, and hundred percent, it happens every day of your life thereafter. Because what you think is going to go according to a certain plan, generally with a child, really doesn't. Because babies have their own agendas. Oh, completely. So when it comes to birth, expecting the unexpected, what does that phrase mean for you? Okay, nothing about birth, labor, and delivery is predictable. 
Mm-hmm. Things can change in a moment, literally in a moment. A mother could be laboring beautifully. She has her waters release and suddenly there's a cord. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's an emergency situation second to none. We, there's minutes we're working with you. It's like a fire on a plane, I always say, is that you haven't got a lot of time to save that little life. And that can, that's very traumatic. And that's what I consider, that's in a true emergency. That's not where everybody just sorted into theater, put on some music, discussed load shedding, whatever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's when we run and everybody looks gray, you know, there's, there's virtually no time to do anything. So that can happen in a second, or maybe they are actually artificially releasing your waters. And then we wait and a cord could come down and that, that changes in that instant that could change. Mother's laboring beautifully and suddenly babies start showing signs of, I'm not doing so well. And you know, that they watch it, we watch it. And then the doctor might, as I say, pull rank and say, I'm not happy with this into theater. Okay. Mm. Because we suspect fetal distress or the waters broke and there's meconium, that first stool that sits in the baby's bowl. It's, it's when they are unhappy, they release it. Okay. Their, their little tummy works and that's, that's a sign of distress. But we don't know the degree of distress. So a doctor's not going to wait. He's not going to take a chance and said, well, let's wait and see another heart now. He's going to rush you into theater. And that, and I've spoken to these moms who, who thought they were prepared for that. And I was one of those. And then when it happened, I was completely not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. It was like, this isn't supposed to happen. And why is it happening? And it's not going according to what the script was in my head. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I struggled with that afterwards because I wasn't as open-minded as I thought I was. So those are real true emergencies, okay, where thank goodness we have these wonderful people who are so beautifully trained that they they use the safety net of Caesar to to get us out of trouble in those in instances like fetal distress mm. and prolapse cord or placental abruption where placenta could be due to high blood pressure. And there's usually a, a warning, okay, there's usually a, that mom might have been labeled high-risk pregnancy. We've got to watch her. And she had gone into labor and had a lot of bleeding or whatever. The placenta's pulled off the, the uterine wall. Well, that's a horrible situation to happen. And, and it doesn't always have the best outcome. But, you know, those are the situations where you it, it changes in an instant, mm-hmm. absolute mm-hmm. instant. So here you are, and I've seen the broken woman as much as I tell them, and I was one of them, as I said, don't be too fixated on how you think you're going to be because mm-hmm. nothing's predictable. Mm-hmm. And when you're in trouble, you want to know that the caregiver you've chosen can manage it, okay? Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's their training, mm-hmm. and that's what you want. Do you know what I mean? And I, I got to say that I think we, we babies are so precious, you know, and we so we get fearful. We am I eating the right thing? Mm. I'm, I'm not even going to open the windows when I put in petrol because I don't want to smell the petrol. Mm. I don't want to be around it. It's not a bad thing. It's a, I mustn't be around people who are smoking. I must mm. stop smoking. You know, you do all those things because you don't want anything to happen to your baby. And I do think the fear. I, I read the document that my daughter had to sign before she had her baby. And when I read it, if I didn't know what I knew, and if I, my daughters didn't know, my one daughter didn't know what she knew, she, I would have also said, I'd rather do a Caesar because mm-hmm. they had set out all the risks that go with vaginal birth, very little risks on cesarean birth, but on vaginal birth, mm-hmm. that you would be like, 
no, it's too, it's, it's mm-hmm. too much. But the doctors have to do it because they've got to worry about cover litigation. themselves. Yeah, they've no, got to because of the high rate of litigation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you spoke, you touched on it just now about having a birth plan and that it doesn't always go according to plan. Yes. But it is a good idea to set up a birth plan as long as you hold it loosely. <laughs> and yes. so what, what would you put into a good birth plan? If, I mean, if you were telling a mum to write a birth plan, what would you be yeah. putting in? Okay. So a birth plan, I think we mentioned, mustn't be, you can get birth plans on the internet that are like 25 pages long. It's a birth plan for the first stage of labor and the second stage of labor. <laughs> Nobody wants to read that. Nobody's going to read that. They're beautiful and all of that. But I think before you actually sit down and, and that's why I call it a wish list. Because mm. as soon as you say plan, everybody thinks, okay, well, that's the plan and it's in a box and you mm. can't change it. So that's when I changed it to a birth wish list. You have a death wish and you have a birth wish, okay? This is your birth wish list. First of all, think about what you are hoping for. What kind of birth do you think you would? Research it a little bit, okay, so that you can go in and know what you're talking about when you speak to your caregiver. So, for example, you want to be, you might be one of those moms who want very little intervention, okay, mm-hmm. and very little in the form of medicated forms of pain relief. By the time That might be really early on. That's why I think when you start formulating a birth wish list, wait a little bit. Get into at least halfway through your pregnancy, okay, so that you are already gaining information and experience as you move through your pregnancy and you watch your baby grow, etc. Then, so you think about the birth you want. You might be deciding, as I say, to have a Caesar for whatever the reason may be, for whatever non-medical reason it may be. And you prepare yourself for that. And I have those moms who come into my class, they leave out the whole labor section and they join in from the high tech birth, as I call it. Okay. Then you get the moms who are, and I can pick them out in my class, who are adamant. They're adamant. Mm. They, the box is made and closed and everything. This is how they want it to do. I even had a, a mom who made a bet with her husband. She said, when I ask for an epidural, I want you to talk me out of it. Yeah, my word. Okay. And I said, I had a big red flag there and I said, that's not a good idea. And she said, I really don't want one. I said, but labor might be harder for you than you anticipate. It might not, but mm. it might be harder and you've just got to be flexible to that. So she put that in her birth plan to work you when, when I ask for it, I want you to talk me out of it. So we had mm. to talk to her about, okay, you know, when you ask for it, if you're asking it for it during a, a, a contraction, I can understand you asking it, but if you still want it when you're not having a contraction, then you need one, okay? Her poor husband stood his ground. He never let her have it. And at the end, she was mad at him. She was like, couldn't you tell that I really needed it? (laughs) But if he'd given in to her, he would have still been in trouble. She was like, you should have held out for me. So, you know, you get those situations, Meg. And and, uh, I mean, women, like, you've got to... trust your inner strength and if you decide that you you with your pain relief and I'm kind of gone off the birth plan but yeah you, you know you might just be flexible it's like mm. I would prefer and you mm. not I don't want to have pain relief mm. I would prefer mm. not to have pain relief in the form of drugs but would want the support for with walking or breathing and that's mm. what I teach and that's you know the partners in that as well acupressure etc then you as the birthing mother has got Mm. to do your bit to get yourself fit enough and to know enough 
to take you through. It's like like any marathon. You're mm-hmm. not you're gonna watch your nutrition, you're gonna watch your sleep, you're gonna watch your your fitness so that you can run a 50k marathon. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're not just gonna decide today that you're gonna run it tomorrow. Yeah. So this is something that you need to if that's the kind of booth you want, you have to play your part as well. So yeah. if that's on your wish list, okay, in all fairness to your caregiver and that you've got to you've got to bring a lot of, mm-hmm. of what you're hoping to have into it. You've got to prepare for that as much as he or she does. So that would be the one thing is think about your pain relief. Think about, you know, find out and you come to classes. I have people walking away from classes saying, I'm so glad. I thought I knew everything and I actually can't believe what I've learned here today. Just telling them about the hormones, just telling them, do you know that you've got a natural narcotic that's released during labor that is stronger than picadine? Did mm. you know that? And they go, no, but you've got to walk into the woods. You've got to go into the red zone for it to kick in. And then it's yeah. super powerful and your baby gets that as well. So you're empowering those women. Like, do you know what your body can do? Mm. You know, And most of the time they're like, no, I don't know. Yeah. Because even from school teachers and that, they, 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 those little people that sit on your shoulders and niggle away at you and they break down your confidence all the time. I found this mm. all the time. And and, mm. and the worst thing is other women do it to mm. other mm. women. And that, that's sad. And, and, you know, where are the stories of the ecstatic birth? Mm. You know, where are those stories? Mm. My daughters, both of them have got their incredible stories. They don't want to talk about it because they yeah. feel like people will think, well, they did better. And mm. it's not about that at all. And also they give a little bit of it away every time because they have magnificent births. And I, I'm like, why can't more of my mm. mommies who come to me have that? But then, of course, they grew up in my house. So, you know, it, it's from yeah. very little. I was sitting on their shoulders kind of thing. So to formulate that birth plan is think about what you want. Go and find out. Research, okay? But try and get scientific evidence-based papers that you can mm. read or find out from people that will give you not their opinion but what researchers mm. say because I've got strong opinions, your doctor's got strong opinions mm. and experience of things that go horribly wrong that they don't want to happen to anybody else. Or you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you've got to understand that. So just keep your birth plan short, get to the point, but know what you want. That's yeah. important. And to know what you want, you've got to research yeah. and find out. This episode is brought to us by ParentSense the all-in-one baby and parenting app that helped you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. I wrote a birth plan with my, actually with all three of my children, and I had an absolutely orgasmic, ecstatic birth in my first birth. It was just, I mean, it went exactly according to plan. I dilated when I thought I would. I breathed as I thought I would. I didn't have any pain relief because I managed it with my breathing, largely because of my partner who was with me. My birth partner, my husband was absolutely incredible because we had attended antenatal classes together. And I think that for me, I know 100%, I could have read any book. I could have looked at any Google, YouTube video. If I hadn't been proper antenatal classes, 
it just, I just wouldn't have had such an incredible, incredible birth. So it kind of brings up a couple of things for me when I think about it. The first is that I had this incredible birth plan. It went hundred percent plan with my first one. My second baby was a posterior facing birth, which was incredibly painful. Also no pain relief, but probably I should have had. But my third one, same birth plan went completely, completely differently. And she was a cesarean section, emergency cesarean section. And yet I'll tell you, Tina, that birth, which did not go according to plan, was just as fabulous as the others because I just let go and let the team take me because I knew, I knew that by the time we got to that point, she had to be born by Caesar. And it was an incredible birth. I did still have control. And that was one of the things, you know, when, when you change your plan from for instance, a natural vaginal delivery through to cesarean section, the control is taken out of your hands. And I am um, a little bit of a control freak. I didn't like (laughs) the fact that I wasn't going to have any control. And I stood my ground and I called in the pediatrician and I said to him, nobody's giving me an epidural or taking this baby out until you can confirm that she will be placed naked on my chest, not in a incubator. In those, day they, in those days, they used to warm up babies, cesarean section babies immediately after birth, they were taken from their mum. And I said, I'll let you go through this whole process as long as she's naked on my chest and not taken out of the labor ward until I am. So she's with me, has no separation. And of course, that wasn't the, the standard. And I had an amazing pediatrician and he let me do it my way. And so through that entire birth, I knew that even though she was coming out a different way and she was she was coming out her own way, she's always done things her own way, um, she would end up and I would have a little bit of my own way with her being placed on my chest. Yeah. And so in encouragement to moms, yes, have your birth plan, hold it loosely. And when things go differently, make sure that there's something that you can hold on to as something that, 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 that you feel like is really important to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Think of those unthought of possibilities. Think about them. Think them through yeah. what happens there. And how old is your third child now? She's 17 now. It was her prom oh, last night, wow. which is, can you believe? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, okay. So so th- that was for you to have kind of demanded that. First of all, you are a very strong personality. It was your third baby and you kind of knew stuff. <laughs> okay. And it's that whole thing of, of okay, I'm going to go with this this Caesar and and you understood why because you understand you know it it's your you've researched it you've done mm-hmm. your classes it's your third baby and the fact that you had asked for okay so I need to trade off there and it's not really a trade off because my baby and I'm going to be alive at the end of it that's a really good outcome but then you know can I hold my baby straight yeah. away And that's awesome that you even had the forethought to actually say that mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also if that had been your first baby. I wonder if you would have done that. Maybe you would have, yeah. you know, because yeah. your first child is even older and it wasn't the norm well, then. I can some hospitals you can't do it. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that if that had happened with my first baby, I probably would have had very severe postnatal depression because as it was, I battled to breastfeed. I did breastfeed in the end, but it was hard for me. And I just found the transition from being a woman into being a mother was extremely hard for me. It's, I think it's the reason I do what I do, Tina, because I have such a massive level of empathy for moms because I know that that transition is flipping hard. You know, nobody can <laughs> nobody can sugarcoat it enough to actually take away what it really is. It, it really is tough that transition. I resonate with you because that's exactly why I started doing what I was doing because I thought here I am supposedly a new author, you know, mm. you are no stuff. I'm a midwife. It's going to be a piece of cake. I'm going to breastfeed my child till she's mm. 55 years old. I'm just going to be the best mother in the world. My, my sister at that time had four kids that she birthed quickly, naturally breastfeed them for two years, had another baby. And I thought it was like, this is going to be a piece of cake. And it wasn't. And mm. I struggled with breastfeeding, just like you said. And I didn't make it. I eventually 
my baby was put in a formula. I got severe postpartum distress mm. because my birth, I was so fixated on, well, if my sister can do that, who's mm. smaller than me, then I can do it. But I made some really bad decisions on the day. Yeah. I really did. And I didn't know yeah. what my trade-offs were going to be. Yeah. And yeah. so I beat myself up for yeah. a very long time for yeah. allowing things to be done and even asking for things to be mm. done to me that I should never have done that. Yeah. And that because even though I was a nursing sister, there's stuff I've learned mm. since my training through my international mm. training mm. That, that, we, that I never mm. knew. Yeah. And I was shocked that I didn't know yeah. it. And so a lot of it's not mainstream knowledge, yeah. like how the hormones work. How do the hormones, oxytocin, endorphins, and adrenaline, they have their whole symphony and mm. they all have their parts to play at the right time. And mothers, if they could just understand that and how it changes mm. their behavior and their partners mm. understand that, they wouldn't get so scared about who is this person she Being looks empowered. like. Oh, yes, they'd be empowered. Like this is, this is your, your lady at her most powerful mm. okay this this person who's birthing and this is her most powerful and her most fierce and she needs that to be that strong protective mm. mother that can read her baby and follow her instincts i think that's a big thing is mommies don't trust their instincts mm. anymore they trust the experts yeah. well it's very much a combination of the two there is a very high weighting on knowledge as power and a very high weighting on listen to your instinct and listen to your yeah. gut. And it's finding that kind of middle ground that's important. But, yeah. you know, Tina, I mean, as we finish off, I mean, it is so important to empower yourself with knowledge. And we haven't really gone into the in-depths of labor, of the hormones, of birth options, of pain relief. And those things are things that women need to know ahead of creating a birth plan, almost ahead of choosing a caregiver, but certainly ahead of birth and parenthood. And that's the sort of thing that you've put into a very, very detailed antenatal class and I feel very privileged that your antenatal class which I've always held in great and um, the highest of esteem is actually going into the parent sense, sense app so mums and dads as you listen to this now Tina's antenatal class is in our parent sense app and Tina today we're going to give away a 25% discount to everybody who's listening uh, so that they can attend the antenatal class and in order to retrieve that mums or to redeem, redeem that you're going to use the code Tina Podcast 25. And Tina Podcast is in caps. So Tina Podcast 25, and you're going to get a 25% discount off Tina's antenatal class. So Tina, I'm really excited for that antenatal class. And this is not our last podcast. You and I are going to go very deep. I've got a couple of questions that I really need to get answered by you. But for now, thank you so much for everything that you have shared with us. As you finish off, is there anything that you just want to leave with the mums and dads? Gosh. So many things I would like to say. You know, children are, are blessings from heaven and you need to treasure yours. And it starts your parenting and your mothering from the minute you discover that you are pregnant. And you're going to be making wise choices for your children all the way along. Don't think that this nine months of pregnancy aren't as critical as the term after birth. In fact, they could, they're more critical. And as Meg said, knowledge is power. And it's such a, it's, it's a thing, it's, it's a cliche almost. Everybody says it all the time, but it's, it's so true. And mm -hmm. if you don't know enough, then you can't ask the questions and you can be led down a garden path thinking you're going to get something that you're probably not. So, you know, join a class. I'd like to say, and if you join my classes, I would be absolutely delighted because we're going to go through things step by step for you, give you time to think about it before you move on to a next module and, and hopefully empower yourselves 
just mm. by learning. Because anything you do in life where you influence other people, be it medicine, be it law, be it flying people around the world, anything you do, you study for many, many years, and yet we all stumble into this arena mm. for childbirth. We stumble into parenthood with like no degrees or anything. And even if we got degrees in OT or medicine, OT, sometimes we're worse. We're at a loss. We expect so much of ourselves and our yes. children that we were. So, you know, mm. just get out there and, and, and become empowered. And should I be part of your empowering experience, I would love that. Oh, that's wonderful, Tina. Well, thank you for your time today and thank you for your antenatal class. So mums and dads, do go and join that. It's Tina Artie's antenatal class on the Parent Sense app. Thanks, everybody. Till next time. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download Parent Sense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.